This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am Will Anderson. How are you, Charlie? Well, I'm a bit stressed out. I have just arrived back in the country. I've rushed home to. Uh, You've been in uh, my, China uh, uh, treating some coronavirus victims, haven't you? <laughs> and you came back, well, snuck through. Mate, like going through, I've been going through a lot of airports lately. And it is like the set of ER at the moment. There are so many face. I mean, between the bushfire smoke and the coronavirus. Sydney is awash with face masks. No one, you don't see anyone's face anymore. All you see are either like rebreathers or surgical masks. Well, the good thing is when you put your mask for the bushfires, um, you know, it's come in handy for the coronavirus as well. You've got, you know, double use yeah. out of your mask. In fact, if it came with a snorkel, you could use it for the floods that are now <laughs> ravaging our country. Well, yeah, I've been out of the country for the last four days. I assume the weather's just been completely normal. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. The weather is completely normal. You've just got to get your Find My uh, Fires app and you've got to just put it on your phone next to your Find My Floods app because there is just, I mean, it's, I mean, at least the floods have put out the bushfires. This is the good news. There has been some sort of balance uh, brought to the country. But yes, places that were on fire. I'm going to, I'll be in Brunswick Heads when people hear this. And um, when I put my shows on sale in Brunswick Heads, that part of the world was on fire. And uh, I, I'm going up there tomorrow and it's like torrential storms and floods. It's the, God, it's the Godzilla principle, isn't it? It's the let them fight. It's the alien versus predator. It's not really the best outcome, but at least they're fighting each other. We're going to get some side damage on the way, but at least they're fighting each other. Yeah, but it's an, unf- it's an unfair fight. Like, water always beats fire, right? There's not a time yeah. where the only time that fire flourishes is when there's a lack of water water is your captain yeah what is your captain marvel right as soon as captain marvel comes yeah. in they can just fix everything with water oh, i don't know man like if there is an intermediary fire beats water like if the water's in a container of some kind the fire heats up the intermediary and that destroy and that turns the water to steam so fire needs to call on his mate like aluminium or steel and then they can both bash up Water. I, I guess you're right. Like if there is enough fire and there's a little amount of water, it becomes steam and that's how fire defeats water. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's also if the water is contained in any vessel, the water can't escape. It's when water has free reign. It's, it, you don't want the water to rope-a-dope you. Well, you know what it <laughs> you is. You want to keep it the boxed three, in. If you're doing a sort of paper, scissors, rocks formation, I reckon the three are fire, water, ice. Right, because that's when you have that random thing where, like, ice beats water because ice freezes water, right? Yeah, even though it is water, but for the sake of this game, fire beats ice because fire can melt ice, and then water beats fire. So, that's your three paper, scissor, rock style. Yeah, well, how did scissors get involved in that? In that, so what a paper, rock, oh no, that's because they've they've all (laughs) got confused, they've all got to get each other, right? Like, because they've all got to be able to defeat one of the other ones because otherwise it's. Like, if there's one that is all-powerful, you can't play, like, this random game of chance. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the scissor lobby got involved when Paper, Rock, Scissors was invented. They're like, we feel like we need to raise a profile of scissors. Well, <laughs> so let's get it involved in this game of, like, elements. Because what are the three... Well, paper's not an element, is it? What are, what, but, no, what is the three things there? So, obviously, you've got paper, and the thing that yeah. defeats paper, paper is scissors. Rock. Right? Yeah. That makes sense yeah. to me. Rock beats scissors? That makes sense. But paper beats rock. Is paper beats rock an actual victory? Is there any way that paper is actually defeating rock in this scenario? We we have just overlooked the fact that paper is... What's the explanation that you can wrap the rock in paper? But that doesn't defeat the rock. Well, 
I guess it doesn't. I mean, it depends what you're doing with The Rock. Like, if The Rock is there for... I mean, what do you do with rocks? Like, it's decorative. I mean, if I came and ruined your wedding because I snuck into your wedding venue before your wedding and covered all the rocks with, like, ugly paper, like newspaper <laughs> something, that would be, like, aesthetically displeasing. I mean, firstly, and in that instance, paper bench rock. Where am I getting married that there's all these rocks? <laughs> For a start, I don't know. Such a feature of my wedding day. I've I've met some mountain climber or something halfway up Everest, and we're having some sort of rock garden wedding. And you've come Uh, in and like banksied the place up with newspapers. I just came from. I've been uh, the reason I was in New Zealand this weekend was for a friend's wedding, so it was on my mind. And I did notice they had like a lovely paved pathway with little stones in the way, like carved stones. So I'm imagining. If I had to defeat those stones in, in some way with paper, it would be to make them uglier. I mean, <laughs> These what an elaborate stones. way to not really have much of a victory at all. <laughs> well, what else could you do well, with Well, you it? know what I would do in that circumstance, Shelley? I'd get a handy pair of scissors <laughs> and defeat that paper. <laughs> Your plan would be foiled. And foil, foil doesn't even get involved. But foil would be I better than actually... paper because at least foil can wrap up Why would up it be better? Like in a, but paper could wrap up a rock. Yeah, but it? in a tissue paper, tissue paper could. <laughs> so now you're telling me it's tissue paper that defeats rock in this? No way. Well, what is the? Let's just discuss what defeat means because, like, so we obviously with the scissors and the rock, that's about like smashing and destroying, yeah. and the scissors cut the paper. But the paper can't do that, so we need to widen. You know, it needs to be like you know, you can be hurt physically, but you can also be hurt emotionally. I think the paper has to emotionally hurt the rock. Oh, right. Like so the, the paper's writing like a, like a sharp cipher, an Eminem-style Machine Gun Kelly diss towards the rock. Yes. Is that what's going on? Oh, okay. The paper leaves a really nasty note on the rock. Right. <laughs> Stupid granite. You're not as good as Dwayne Johnson. You're made of nothing but sediment. Yeah. <laughs> Just a mysterious anonymous letter. You'll never be in the Fast and the Furious or any spin-off. Um, can I ask you a question? Go, yeah. You travelled the world. You're, okay, you're a wealthy we gentleman. Before we go on, are yeah. you about to move off paper, scissors, rock? Yeah, yeah, okay. So just before we do then, I just want to, because while we were talking about the actual rock, how about, because this is what Hollywood is doing now. They're looking for any pre-existing story that they can then turn, if it's a computer game or if it's just like a saying or whatever, that they can then turn into... Um, like a Hollywood movie property, right? And it Battleship. Yep. Battleship got made into a movie. We could make Paper, Scissor, Rock into a movie. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. Here's your pitch. Paper, Scissor, is it, is it- Rock. Three mortal enemies. Yeah, three sort of like, you know, Hitman killer style. Yeah. You know... It's like the last. It's like the last Airbender. Like they all... There's tribes that control the different elements. You know, there's wind, earth, fire. But one is the tribe of scissors, one is the tribe of paper, and one is a tribe of rock. But do you cast Dwayne Johnson or is that two on the nose? No, you cast Dwayne Johnson. The rock is rock right. in paper, scissors, rock. Okay. So who's paper and scissors then? Well, paper's got to be somebody, like you said, who uh, you know manipulates more with the words. and with Because yeah, mm. this is how you set up the three adversaries in this sort of universe is that the rock is your, your, your brute force, you know, using the, uh, yeah, the yeah. sort of rock, but also, I guess, like carving things, some sort of backstory there that's rock-related. But the I feel like the the poisonous pen, so to speak, has got to be paper. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you sort of see that it's more of an, like an intellectual kind of villain, yeah. right? Like, And so you need an actor who's a bit kind of like, I don't know, who would that be? Like, For some reason, John Malkovich came to mind, but I'm not sure... If he's right. I wonder if there's an actor who has a paper pun in their surname. Oh, yeah. So we can just oh, Johnny, actually... Johnny, Johnny Envelope. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be perfect for this. Um, okay. So pa- paper, you need an intellectual. Like, uh, what is it? It's kind of like... Who, who is that now these days? Sam Rockwell. But Cere- a cerebral type. Yeah, I don't know if he's... What about, like, what about uh, Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh, because he's Shakes, you know he's a Shakespearean director and he's got an English accent. English people always sound smarter. I mean, I, I'm just trying to pitch this that maybe at like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, absolutely. Benedict Cumberbatch is exactly who sh- is paper. Is paper. Yeah, yeah. Like, because yeah, he Benedict sounds like he paper. reads yeah. books. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is paper. Who's scissors? Yeah. G- 
girl. We need to cast a female. Oh, you yeah, should cast. That's great. Uh, let's get some diversity in there. So scissors. I think it should be like someone, because I just think scissors like martial artist. The rock is brute force, just like a blunt object. Paper is the intellectual. Will mess with your mind. And I think that like a ninja. Like I think so. Let's cast maybe like I don't know um, Michelle Yeoh or someone like that. Ming Na Wen. Yeah, I'm happy with all that, but I'm just gonna. But unfortunately, we're making this in Hollywood, so it's gonna be Gal Gadot. So, <laughs> all good suggestions, Charlie. Well, no, no, we need to cast an Asian, so it's Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right, absolutely. Like all these um, movies have to go to China, right? So we, you know, get some big star who's going to play well in China to play scissors. Absolutely. Yeah, whoever's in the latest or the upcoming Fast and the Furious that they've crammed into that. Once she's done on that, we'll bring her over our film. Yeah. So that there you go. That's that that is a Hollywood movie. You could definitely pitch that. And then yeah. we'll just fill in the details later. And so is it set in like is this like an alternate worlds like or is this like medieval times or is it like what kind of reality are we saying? I'm thinking like uh you know, slightly ahead of where we are now, but not too far ahead of where we are now reality. So maybe like okay. all right, so let's let's bit of social commentary. Yeah. So environmental catastrophe. Yeah has just decimated the world and so we've all retreated into tribes. Right. The only remaining objects <laughs> for some reason are paper, rocks and scissors. Well, there's th- the only three thing. different approaches perhaps to how we rebuild civilization. So maybe the rocks are more your, you know, your builders, your stonemasons, you're yep. making castles and fortifications and using that sort of construction, you know, strength you know, approach to what the world should be like. And then there's a tribe of people who are more intellectuals who are trying to, you know, rebuild through the great, you know, sort of re-education and, you know, build, rebuild the libraries and rebuild the, but, you know, aren't necessarily, yes. you know, the super fighters. And then there's the, the what are the scissors? Super fighters. The, yeah, no, there's the, <laughs> the super fighters. fighters. Now, what are the scissors, what does scissors say? What is that about? I reckon, I reckon scissors has got to be more like military. It's got oh, to be yeah. more about Good. like weapons, orga- military. Yeah. So, yeah, weapons. Yeah. yeah. Makes, Makes sense. sense. They carry blades on them. Yeah. Scissors. So intellect. They fly at you with blades on their feet. And I guess maybe yeah. paper could also be economics, right? So yeah. intellect. Infrastructure. Yeah. Infrastructure, economics, religion, and culture yeah. is paper. So infrastructure, and then you got in, uh, economics, culture, and religion, uh, religion yeah. I guess. No, religion's good. And paper, then, Bible, you know. And then, and then mili- military weapons and military right. and what else would... Yeah, no, that scissors. makes sense. Just That's, this is actually yeah, coming scissors. together, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> if we can get the rock on board, I reckon we can get paper scissors rock made. I mean, he made Rampage, which was barely a film. So I think, I think this think, is you know, already a better that... film than Rampage. What we've just said yeah, on this totally. podcast is already a better film than Rampage. <laughs> I was on the on the flight back. I caught the new uh, Terminator film. Yes, Have you seen I've that? seen the first fifteen minutes so far because that's when Amy right. demanded that we stop watching it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I didn't actually dislike it. As I think because uh, I'd read so much bad stuff, I was like, okay, but it is. Look, spoilers. I mean, I'm sure no one really cares. No one saw the film, but. The idea that Sarah Connor saved the future, right? And that never happened. Skynet never happened. Yet an alternate timeline, which a, 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 an AI called Legion creates almost identical like AI, just felt it was like a little bit lazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just stick with these Terminators and Skynet and all that kind of, let's just think your way out of that box or do something completely different. Don't don't give us like something that is 10% different and say, oh yeah, but it's a completely different timeline. I mean, what are the odds that that would happen? Um, I mean, I don't know the exact odds and I can't imagine that you're mm. actually thinking that I would have the exact odds. But I, I agree with you to the point where no one really cares if it's Skynet or something else. So just find a way to almost just, I mean, I don't mind if it had been, you know, you stopped all that from happening. And yet it happened anyway because of this, this and this, you know, that idea that it's almost inevitable that regardless of, you know, which little bit of this you think you're defeating right now, um, you know, John Connor wasn't the, actually the thing that was really important to this. Like, you know, that that would have happened yeah. regardless and just, you know, so-and-so would have been in charge and it still would have been, you know, Skynet and it still would have been these things and just find a way to get to that. I don't think you need to take it off into anything else. 
Do you care about any spoilers? Can I? Can we talk about? No, no, no. I'll watch it regardless, but I don't care about spoilers. No. Well, this is the thing. I think I pretty much because I listened to a few podcasts and I watched a few YouTube videos. I think I pretty much knew the film before I went in. It was perfect. Because when you have a baby on a plane too, you want to put something on that you're only going to half watch anyway. So it was perfect for that because I could keep up with what was going on and occasionally see an explosion. Uh, but So they bring Arnie back, right? And the idea is that it's not the Arnie from T2 or anything. After the events of T2, so it's a year later, Sarah and John Connor are living it up in Mexico and another T-800 from a future that will never happen arrives and kills John, right? And then walks off presumably into the ocean or something like that. And, and what a 30 years. what an Edward Furlong moment, right? It was oh. we've got to talk about that just a little bit, which is yeah. So because I've seen that bit already, which is like they CGI Edward Furlong's face, you know, into this young boy because well, you you couldn't let Edward Furlong near a movie set these days. He's not in he's not in a good way. No, and I, I it's such good CGI. I assumed that maybe it was like I don't know a deleted scene or something, but. They've obviously just got heaps of reference footage from the old films and were able to recreate it digitally. Um, but So that Terminator, that Arnie, that T-800 wanders off and then we don't meet him again until 30 years later. Oh, that's him. During the events of this So film. the Arnie in this is that Terminator that killed John Connor. That Terminator that... Yeah. And he, where's so, what's he been doing in between? Well, this is... Oh, the, this is I'm what back I'm in now. About. I'm, I'm way back. I want okay. to see that movie. If you told me the rest of the Terminator movie is just exploring what he did in those 30 years, I am in. Well, okay. So this is what has happened. So uh, during the film, they're getting text messages from like a mysterious kind of like Oracle type person who's telling them, you know, when and where things are happening. And so they seek out where these texts are coming from. And it turns out to be the T-800, that same one that killed John. And so he explains that after he killed John, his mission was done. And so he just kind of integrated into society. So apparently what happened is he met a woman. Shut up. He, he met a woman who was in an abusive relationship. And he, uh, seeing the woman in this abusive relationship, he was able to get her out of that and save her son. It gave him purpose to, sort of, to intervene in this relationship. And then... To protect this family became his new mission because he, you know, he he was. I guess he was no longer had a kill mission. He was just this kind of learning machine. So he stayed with this woman for thirty years and started a drapery business and goes by the name Carl. And so they kind of just like this is all done in one little exposition scene, just one little information dump where Arnie's sitting in a chair telling us all this. And then there's a couple of little kind of like references to it later on where they just sort of ask a few more questions. But the thing that immediately leaps to mind is, so what's going like, are you having sex with this Terminator? Like, does she not notice that you, you know, you, you're a robot? But you've got like, <laughs> because you walk and humanoid talk. skin, right? Yeah. I mean, he still looks like a human and ages like a human. But at some point, like, do you think if a the Terminator came into your life. The fact that he's never been sick once in that entire yeah. time. That he doesn't blink, uh, that he doesn't seem to have like any family or history, that he does, that he's constantly asking you questions about why why you cry, <laughs> things like that. I mean, at some point when you get to know someone, don't you start asking? Do you think he comes up with a, a backstory? Well, I think she's he's benefited from the fact that she was clearly in a terrible relationship beforehand, so her expectations yes. of what a good relationship are might be severely affected by the trauma that she's been through. And so now she's found herself in this relationship where she's like, you know, he's kind to me and he protects me and, you know, yeah, he doesn't hurt me like my previous partner did. And I can overlook the fact that he has never blinked in the entire time that we've been married for 30 years. <laughs> he's good with the drapes. He doesn't blink. I can overlook that. You know what? The pros outweigh the cons. Well, he does talk about that at one stage that because Sarah Connor's like, how did she not notice that you weigh like 400 pounds and... And he said, well, we don't get intimate. We don't have a physical relationship. So I guess it's like a plutonic kind of relationship, you know? He's just, like you said, he's her, he's her protector. But how does he go about getting like, you know, going to the DMV, getting a driver's license? I mean, does he have like a, does he have like a social security number? I mean, at some point, does he have to do like a physical or anything like well, that? Well, even though his mission's over, he still has his powers, right? 
he can still probably like you know like hack into machines and stuff like that because the terminators have been shown that they can you know hack into machinery and like um you know control computers and you know those sort of things so maybe he's just been doing some hacking and also like of all the occupations you could pick i mean you know what it actually makes sense he's an infiltration unit Becoming a drapery salesman is probably the most nondescript occupation you could have. Right? And he also doesn't have normal human emotions. So, like, to him, the value judgments of what's a good job or a bad job probably aren't the same as what we would think in that scenario. He probably is, like, quite interested in drapery because he's just, like, a learning machine, right? Yeah, but why drapes? Do you think it was a calculated effort? He's like, I'm, well, does he need to lay low yeah. anymore? He's got to get in the drape game. I mean, once you a good way to cover the fact that your curtains are always shut. What's that house with all those curtains? Uh, no, well, he's, he's in the drape game, mate. But if he's an infiltration unit, so his job is to kind of lay low until his mission is complete. But then from, from then on, why does he have any sense of self-preservation? Why does he need to even walk around in that human skin? He could just strip that off and just be his endoskeleton, right? Well, maybe... What does he well, yeah, care? But it, it would be a bad design flaw if you were designing killing machines that killed themselves after one successful mission. <laughs> Like, do you mean you've spent no, a lot saying, of money building saying, these Terminators? You need to, you know, give them another mission. The only reason that he, I imagine that Terminators don't just do one mission and then retire into, you know, whatever like industry they want to pursue. I assume they are then loaded with another mission. That's exactly what happens because that's what this guy did. He killed his mission and then he went off and met this lady and started a drape, drape business. Yeah, but that's because he has future programming that isn't applicable in the past. Like in the future, he would be reprogrammed for another mission. The only problem is that he's in the past where there is no missions anymore. But they wouldn't, I guess, if he was, right, I get you. If he's a, if it's a T-800 in the future, they would get them back to the shop after a mission right. and then they reprogram them. But once you send them to the past, you can't possibly reprogram them. So you are just sending them on a one-way mission. Yeah, exactly. So what would be the programming though? You say, okay, if you complete your mission successfully, go find a lady and start a joint business. <laughs> Well, I don't think they probably thought it through that much. They probably weren't, we're not going to reprogram all these Terminators for the purpose of this. We'll just send him back. And I assume after he completes his mission, I don't know, he'll just run himself out of batteries or something. We don't care. Job done. John Connor dead. That's all we, what we're thinking about, guys. Restore factory settings. Yeah. Well, I think what you could possibly do, it seems like a waste of a Terminator. Surely you could give him like priorities of missions. You'd say you killed John Connor and if, that, you know, once you get that done, then maybe kill a few other annoying people. <laughs> I mean, Skynet must have a few people on their list. Kill his second in command, his third in command. Yeah, but maybe Skynet also have the idea that if they um, kill John Connor, right, that the timeline, if he then goes off on a whole bunch of other missions, the timeline might be so substantially uh, changed that their future where they get to be in charge of everything won't even exist or happen. So they will have actually sent a Terminator back to kill them. Because they will never exist because of the timeline change. Yeah, right, right. I get it. Yeah, it's all making sense now. <laughs> I think the major problem with those films, like everything since T2, is that nothing has been better than T2. Like, they they nailed the formula, which is two, one Terminator versus another Terminator. Yeah, the first one, which is just like a slasher film, and the second one is like, well, how about we just have an old Terminator against a new Terminator? And they've never improved on that dynamic. And I don't think they can, because this one is just exactly that. It's just two, ter well, essentially two Terminators, two, really two Terminators versus one Terminator in the end. It's like when the effects and the idea is no better than what it was in 1992, it's not even worth doing. Well, the problem is they got it right. I think more than anything yes. is, I don't think anyone's made like a movie like Terminator as well as Terminator 2. You know, I mean, I, I know it's not, a, no. you know, in that sort of, action sci-fi whatever genre that you want to put it in terminator 2 is almost mm. a perfect movie so it's hard to you know do better or or even get judged against the fact that terminator 2 is so good because every time there's a terminator movie everyone's like it's not as good as terminator 2 and, and they're like yeah nothing is <laughs> but what's this idea too like that seems like the last two that they've done that horrible genesis one and now this one They've brought James Cameron back to get his seal of approval or to basically yell, to just phone into a meeting every few weeks and yell at whoever the new director is. I mean, that's, that you get the sense that that's what it is. It's like, hey, James, can we pay you millions of dollars to endorse this film? And we let you have a say. And so you can just yell. Yeah. You can five minutes from, a week to just yell at whoever you want. 
from your underwater lair. We'll put an ISDN line into your underwater lair so that you can just yell at whoever the director happens to be that week for about five minutes, once a fortnight. I mean, do you think it for him, it is just a case of, it's, I mean, he doesn't need money. Why is he endorsing these films? Why is he putting his stamp of approval on I mean, them? maybe he does need In that money. last one. Maybe he's he, been he recorded so much money into these new Avatar films that he's just a bit short of cash. He does need the money. Maybe. I mean, he did the most embarrassing video for that last one, the Genesis. He did like a full 10-minute video, which was like a monologue of him being like, you know, I, as I settled in to watch this film, I started to recognise like things. You know, I've seen these moments before and I was like, this actually feels like a real Terminator film. And like, why are you saying this, James? <laughs> I mean, you don't need to say this. Why are you shilling for this film? Is it just because you get like a percentage of the back end? But you're rich. You got Titanic money. You got Avatar money. I think he's got the bends. Too much time underwater. He's come up too quick one day, and he's given himself a case of the bends. Well, I think it's safe to say we will not, we'll not be getting another Terminator film for a while, and I'm glad. And I, for one, am glad. I think. What about Avatar? So tell locked. me about Avatar because he's he's making like you've never seen. I've it. never seen the first one, and I, I probably never will. Yeah. And now he's making like however many five hundred five hundred new Avatar films. It's got a bit of the fact, yeah. it's got a bit of like James Cameron's Chinese democracy about it to me. Like it feels like 100%. one of those things that's been coming for way too long and the expectation is built up so much. And he kind of, even with all the byplay with the Marvel movies and, you know, knocking off Avatar and those sort of things, he's had this sort of confidence of someone who thinks, yeah, it's fine. I've got Avatar 2 up my sleeve and it's going to break every single record of everything ever. And I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not sure, Charlie. I mean, I've never seen the original one, so I, I am the least qualified person to judge whether there is a huge audience out there you know, aching to see new Avatar films. Do you believe there is? Will people care? I don't know. I remember at the time people loved it. Like, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I mean, it was one of the only films I've seen in 3D where I actually enjoyed the 3D experience, where it just it, it felt fun and great and was designed for 3d rather than like a, an effective done post shooting just to kind of get more money out is there a chance that he's working on a new effect is there a chance that that oh that's what i was going to say i reckon a hundred percent the reason why he's doing this it's a bit like george lucas why he came back to star wars i think part of it was telling new stories but i think the majority of it was i've got all these new toys i want to work with i'm developing all these technologies you know and i think that james cameron if you look at his films, like a lot of those films he hasn't made until the technology is caught up to his ideas. So I reckon whatever he's going to do with this film, it's really going to be more about the technology. It'll be some, I don't know, the, whether or not it'll be for the audience's experience, who knows. But for him, there's going to be something that he's getting out of it. And then the dude is, is like an engineer. He builds his own equipment. He operates the cameras himself. So I think that's what it is. He's just using studio money to just uh, run beta tests on his equipment. 5D. I'm calling it now. Or maybe, Five you know, each, each episode of Avatar, they go up a D. So it starts in 4D. Avatar 2 is in 4D. And then uh, Avatar 3 is in 5D. And, it subs and he invents a new D for each movie that comes out. I would go and see it. I think, well, I was, I think he's taken over Weta or pretty much all of New Zealand. And I've just, was just been in New Zealand for this wedding. And from what all the actors I was speaking to at this wedding were telling me is that pretty much it's all, it's Avatar go crazy right now. Every crew member, every actor, everyone is working on Avatars back to back to back. I think it's like three films or maybe four films in a row. I mean, it's ambitious. That's what it is. Well, who knows what he's doing? I mean, we have no idea. And I think someone like that gets to write his own check, right? I mean, when you have directed two of the highest grossing films of all time, no one really questions you anymore. Does anyone tell him no? Is that a good thing? No, absolutely not. I, Avatar is not a bad film. People shit on it because it's a very simplistic plot, but it's actually fun. It's completely, completely fun. It's better than Terminator Dark Fate. Like at least he's trying to do something different. Oh yeah, I but mean, I, no. I, I mean, I love. Like I said, I love Terminator too. I like some of his his films. I don't know why. I mean, I don't like space. And Avatar, you know, Avatar's just one of those movies that makes me think, oh, I don't want to say that. Yeah, but is it really space? Because it's not like pew-pew spaceships no, and all that kind of stuff. Blue. It's more like... It's space. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Running around. Well, do you like aliens? No, not really. I mean, the movie's great. Oh, but I don't right. really. I have no yeah. real fascination with even those that style of movie. I can recognize that it's a good movie, but I have no love or care for that franchise. Right. Okay. Now then, you're gonna hate it. You're gonna really hate it. <laughs> it's it's basically it's like Dances with Wolves, but with blue people. I didn't mind Dances with Wolves. I mean, I've never watched it again. Well, just but when I watched it, I I, I didn't mind it. Will, let's take a little bit of a break from Tofop for an important message. I love you. You love me? You didn't even like wait to finish the drink you were quite clearly having that everybody could hear to even say that. So I doubt the sincerity of it. I do love you. And you know what? Valentine, Valentine's Day is coming up. And when I love and also someone, Valentine's I like to get them. Day, which is, of course, Bella- the day before Valentine's Day, which you celebrate as well by stealing flowers from people. Let me just point out that drink I had before we started recording this was coconut water. Even though I'm slurring and not getting my words right, I I promise you it was coconut water. Well, Valentine's Day is right around the corner is what I'm trying to say. And if you love someone, you know we've got the perfect gift for you to give them. Our friends at Movement have done all the hard work for you. So if you're scratching your head thinking what will be a great gift, gift. (laughs) Well, that's what you get people, of course, on Valentine's Day, is you get them a gift, which is something between a gift and a a gift, I guess. Good one. Nice improv. Sorry. I couldn't think of anything that was geff. I was like, David David Geffen's autobiography. Movement have curated their best-selling watches, jewellery, and eyewear styles into the perfect Valentine's Day gift box sets for him and her. So it's not just one or two items. It's a People love a box set, don't they? Oh, I love a box set. I love a collection of things like, you know, biscuits or cookies or cheeses or it's, wines. It's always or... food with you. <laughs> it always comes back to food. Well, also like a box set of other things. Yeah, like sunglasses or accessories or watches, right? Such a company, man. (laughs) Well, you can enjoy a stress-free Valentine's Day with Movin's best-selling styles already pre-packaged together into slick gift boxes that they'll love. Choose between beautiful watch and jewellery combo boxes or upgrade to a deluxe box that features a watch, a bracelet and a pair of glasses. All in one, one and done, gifting made easy. The perfect gift for your podcasting partner. Wink. It's me winking at you. Yeah, no, I feel harassed. To buy me a, a box. This is my workplace. <laughs> if we made any money from this, this would be our workplace. <laughs> well, you can get the person you love, like your podcasting partner, something they'll wear every day with a clean, timeless watch. And for every watch order, you'll also get a free extra watch strap and free a gift box already packaged together for you. And if you need a little extra help choosing the perfect style for your Valentine, find exactly what you need with Movement's 2020 Valentine's Day gift guard. Gift card, guard, gift card, gift card. Well, of course, that's what you need for Valentine's Day because someone's coming to steal your flowers. So, what you need is a gift guard. I think what you need is a gift, a gift guard. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, who says you can't also gift yourself while you're at it? It's Valentine's Day. Give yourself a bit of self love. That's a movement good point. has special duo boxes featuring best-selling men's watches and best-selling women's watches, so you can look the part and enjoy your special day. Here's the important part, Will. To get 15% off, that's 15% off with free shipping and free returns, you go to movement.com slash TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. And you can enjoy a free extra watch strap for free and a free gift box for free with every watch order. Go to movement.com slash TOFOP for your most stress-free Valentine's Day gifting yet. And and join the movement? Do we join the movement? Well done. I mean, we should join the movement. Let's join the movement. Um, I, I, did you watch any of the Oscars? You probably didn't because you were on the plane. No, 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 no. I didn't. Have you watched any? Yeah, of I it? watched it all actually. Well, I had it all on the background as uh, as I was doing other things today. But um, it was not necessarily well, compelling. I, but it was there was some you know highlights of it. Did anything controversial happen? Um, Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor, which is not oh, yes. uh, controversial. Um, did he shoot Jimmy Kimmel and scream, this is the sequel? So it, it turns out that was a, a hoax. Did you see that? That, that, that yeah, video yeah, clip yeah. It was kind of like a viral setup. I was like, fuck, fooled me. They set us up. 
Yeah, you got us. I was like, this this does not seem seem appropriate, and it turns out it wasn't. Um, so uh, no, he made a very impassioned speech about like humanity, and um, you know, it was very nice. It was very, it was very well considered. What do you, what's your feeling? Do you uh, you know what uh, Ricky Gervais got a lot of plaudits from people for like slamming celebs who get up and and push their causes. How do you feel about people using this their, their speech time to push causes? Uh, I I'm I'm pro it. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. No. I I think that um, yeah, as he said in his speech, you know that you have a voice and you have an opportunity to. I, I'm you know suspicious of like these Hollywood stars spending three months of their fucking year getting dressed up in you know five thousand dollar outfits and you know giving each other shiny gold trophies. It just seems obscene and obnoxious to me. That whole sort of thing. And so. I like the fact mm. that they then, in that moment at least, take a moment for somebody else and try to say something about the world and, you know, give the voiceless a voice and all those sort of things. So, yeah, no, I like it. I I'm, I'm, I understand the whole Hollywood liberal, you know, holier-than-thou, you know, hypocrisy <laughs> stuff as well. But if they really mean it, Taika Waititi did a sort of welcome to country in native tongue, like when he won. Did he really? Yeah, he won. He won Best Adapted Screenplay. Well, that's actually something I wanted to talk about. So this wedding I went to in New Zealand, it, um, it was it was great. first time I've been to New Zealand. I went to Wellington, flew into Wellington and just drove uh, into a country town just outside of Wellington. And uh, part of the wedding, uh, two, there was two friends of mine, uh, Ben and Jess, got married. But uh, Jess uh, did a Welcome to Country in Maori. Oh, yeah. And it was amazing watching like, feel like with New Zealanders, the way they've integrated like indigenous culture into their white culture, they've done such a better job than we have done in Australia. Don't you think? Oh, so much better. Like, I mean, they are so much better. I mean, I don't understand their system enough to, you know, know what, you know, problems and issues there are, but on the surface with the knowledge I see and the people I see speak about it and the way they speak about it, I certainly don't think it's a mistake to say that it's well in advance of where Australia is at on the very same thing. And if we could model ourselves a little on how New Zealand have, you know, taken serious steps to, you know, reconcile the stories and understand the complexities of the stories and the harm that was done and recognize that in some sort of meaningful way that it, that it eventually, even though there might be some hard times involved in that is the way forward. You know, the way forward is for us to understand what happened and, deal with what happened in the best way that we possibly can and then move forward, you know, together in a way of recognizing and celebrating and understanding, you know, those combined cultures and the new stories of those countries. And I think New Zealand are much better at that than Australia is, unfortunately. So good. And it just makes so much sense because it actually costs like cost you nothing. It costs like the, the white population nothing to acknowledge that and be inclusive and respectful of that culture. You're not losing anything by doing that because this argument of like, well, we're all Australians now and we should stop, you know, playing identity politics. And it's like, well, it's not really about that. It's sort of just about acknowledgement. That is, it, it felt so important. It actually just felt, I felt a little envious watching like the way the Maori and the white New Zealanders at this wedding, like they all had like the, they all spoke a common language. There was uh, understanding of custom and ritual and all this kind of stuff. I was like, it'd be great if Australia, because I just think about primary school and that was hardly taught. We got a little bit of indigenous history, but hardly anything was really taught to us. And deaf certainly know like indigenous languages. Uh, we, we would not lose anything. We would gain so much. That's the real truth of it. That, you know, like, there is that, I mean, this is a massive over, oversimplification, but, you know, they owned a house and we moved into their house without their permission. And then we chucked out all their stuff and ignored, you know, all the, all their you know, furniture and all the things that they had established. We got rid of all that and put in all our own stuff and said, this is our house now. And then the idea that we could recognize that, A, it originally belonged to them, and B, you know, mm. why don't we decorate the house with our stuff and their stuff? And I know that's a massive oversimplification, but it's only got to be a better thing. I think, it's like, it's symbolically it's important just to make that gesture because as long as there's this sort of, like, denial of the past and this idea that, 
well, we're all Australians now. Yeah, but it's not true. Like yeah. we don't all start. On if, the we, same, if we're all Australians, the then we have to recognise all of us. You know, if yeah. if what you want, and I sincerely believe what you want is that we all you know, are Australians. I think that's really what we're saying. I don't think anyone is suggesting that it can go. We can go back and undo completely undo the sins that were done. You know, generations of people ago. But what we're looking for is a path forward where we can, you know, stand by. You know, and understand each other and understand the story and recognize that we're now in a position that we have to go on together. So let's find a way to, you know, make amends for what was done in the past and recognize our connection with it or the fact that, you know what, just recognize that we benefited from it, even though it was not us that did it, you know, like, I mean, you know, and we recognize a little that we benefited from it and be generous in the opening of our arms and our ears to understand the original people's stories. And I just think, you know, this idea that we could sell to the world that Australia is, you know, the longest surviving, you know, people, you know, 60,000 years of evidence of people and this incredible, you know, country with our incredible, like, you know, native animals that unfortunately have been hurt so much by the bushfires. We need to, like, there can be things about Australia that we can be incredibly proud of and you can stand up and say, I am proud to be an Australian. But until we but embrace they, it all, we can't... Thing, they do... They do sell that, like in our tourism and our advertising, they do sell that indigenous element, but they it's not integrated. This is the thing. It's sold as like this separate thing. And it's like, yeah, this why other. isn't it integrated? Yeah. It makes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I it's time has come, Will, to say fair's fair. <laughs> to, pay, to pay the rent, Charlie, to pay our yes. share. Yeah. Our share. Oh, I'm getting an idea for a song. <laughs> So you've been in New Zealand uh, a number of times. You've done stand-up there, I imagine. I have. I haven't been uh, in New Zealand doing stand-up for a, a long while now. I'd like to get back, actually. It's a great place to do stand-up. Although, I will say this, and it may have changed in the intervening years, but I always felt, and you were always told as an, an Australian comedian, that the first 10 minutes would be a bit rough. Like, there's a... Oh, yeah, really? Because New Zealanders don't have an immediate love of Australians. And particularly in a oh really particularly in a comedy sense, like you know the idea that you're oh, walking right. out on stage, you're gonna have to work. They're gonna hard. be like, you're gonna have to be pretty funny here, mate, because we're still mad about you know Trevor Chappell bowling that underarm in the cricket. So <laughs> you know, I think now because there was that whole idea that Australia would look down at New Zealand as being sort of our you know, and so I think there was yeah. there was that. But now most Australians are like, oh god, I wish we you know. I Gosh. wish we had the Prime Minister yeah. of New Zealand. I wish we had some of the policies and the, you know, the fact that they get a legalised weed. New Zealand are way ahead of us. Oh man, I loved it, and I they I found them to be New Zealanders to be very friendly, like and very uh, accommodating yeah. to this this dumb Australian to the point where yeah, they feel um, sorry for us now. Actually, <laughs> yeah, they do. But that was seriously the topic of conversation. Like a lot of them would bring up our Prime Minister and be like, "Oh, gee, he's not much chop, is he?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, look, I mean." You've got a great one. Ours is nah, not so Ours good. Is not so good. We got shortchanged. Yeah. Um, Jem lost her phone uh, the the night of the wedding. We got back to our accommodation and realised we didn't have our phone. And I was able to track it using Find My Phone, and we found it like it was uh, pinging um, on this property away from where the wedding was. You know, sort of just like towards the airport. So me and one of my friends, we drove out thinking maybe someone's picked it up by accident, you know. And so we were looking for hotels or Airbnbs where maybe a guest had picked up the phone and gone, it wasn't there. So we just started door knocking. <laughs> and like, he's a Kiwi. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just go knock on some doors. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know. It's a country town. Like, I feel like in Australia, if you go knocking on doors, you might get like a shotgun under the chin <laughs> when you knock on the door. But we're just knocking and everyone was so happy to see us. It was like they were expecting us to knock on the door. Like... We first, the door we knocked on, a couple of old ladies. No, no, we don't have your phone, but would you like to come and have a look around anyway? And it's like, well, no. <laughs> we don't want to have a come and look around anyway. If you don't have the phone, then there's no, no reason we should. But all right, okay, well, yeah, well we're just very time. proud of our house. Do you want to come and have a look? Yeah. And then we got to, like, the third place. And this dude, like, came around the corner, big, heavy set dude, looked like a kind of biker, long beard, tats, that kind of stuff. We came, we went, because we knocked on the front door and there's no answer, so we went around the side of the house to the backyard and his dog came running out and he worked out with the biggest smile on his face. And before we even got the words out of, hey, look, you know, sorry to interrupt, but a friend of ours lost a phone last night. He was like, you lost a phone? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. And he's gone, I found it. And went in, like, he was so happy. 
he and his wife had been out cycling that morning and had found it in the middle of the road. And so it was just like, they gave back the phone. Apparently, I think what happened is that one of us, either Gemma or I, put the phone on the roof of the car as we're putting the baby in the seat and then got in the car and forgot about it and then some out on the road. But it was so nice. It was so lovely. I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in one of those like uh, romantic comedies where you move to the country and just everyone's really nice. Well, I mean, maybe you need to move to New Zealand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you could probably do a Kiwi I feel like accident. I was in Sydney too and long. There's a lot of work there. You yeah. know I mean? You know, James Cameron's making like really eight is. or nine avatars. Get an avatar. <laughs> But in all your time in New Zealand, yeah. did you ever see a kiwi bird? Uh, I don't. In the wild, I don't I mean. think that I would have. Like, I think that I would remember if I had. I saw Xena Warrior Princess in the wild. Did yeah. you really? And I saw the whale rider, Ke- Ke- Keisha Castle Hughes. Kira Keisha Castle Hughes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after the wedding, a friend uh, needed a lift back to her accommodation. And so. We drove her, it was about 10 minutes from out in the country. We're going up this windy dirt track to her house and I see something crossing the road and I stop because I thought I thought it was like a piglet. It was this tiny little thing, like sort of just shuffling across the road. And she was like, oh my God, like that's a, that's a kiwi bird. She's like, that's crazy. I moved over here three years ago and I have not seen a kiwi bird. They're quite rare to see, especially in the wild. They're nocturnal. So we watched this little thing shuffle across like through the headlights and into the bushes again. So the next day we've gone to the recovery for this wedding and I'm just like chatting to all these Kiwis and every single Kiwi I told, the reaction ranged from disbelief to outright hostility (laughs) because apparently to see a Kiwi bird in the wild is rare. It's almost like seeing a unicorn. Like no one, like this one guy really got his nose out of joint. One person's mother, I told her and she was like, you didn't see a Kiwi. And I'm like, no, I'm, Pretty sure it was a kiwi. He was hunched over, long beak, like, you know, I'm pretty sure I know what they look like. She's like, no, you definitely not. You, you definitely didn't see it. And I, was, I just, I couldn't work out what I had done. Like, had I made this a, co- a cultural faux pas? You never tell a New Zealander you've seen a kiwi because most of them haven't seen it. I'm some fly-by-nighter Aussie who's flown in for his first weekend in New Zealand and I see the rarest of the rare birds. I mean, it's probably like someone going to Ireland and finding a four-leaf clover. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it was like my first day. Just found one. Um, well, maybe it wasn't yeah. a kiwi bird, though. How confident are you that you know it was a kiwi bird? I- I'm with them. Well, I'm, down, four... I'm doubting your story. <laughs> yeah, that's what... It, but this is what it was like. And, and they're making me doubt myself. There was four of us in the car, and all of us think we saw a kiwi bird. Because I, I, then I started talking... Because one guy who's particularly pissed off with me <laughs> for having seen a kiwi it's probably bird. like someone who's seen like a wallaby and thought they've seen a kangaroo yeah no but he was well he was like there are other flightless birds and i'm like or it might have just been though. a bird on said, the ground sometimes birds are on the ground like there was a magpie in my backyard yesterday it's probably just a magpie child. well one person one person tried to tell me that i in fact hadn't seen a kiwi bird but i'd seen a hedgehog oh. and i'm like i'm wow. not a three-year-old like it's a I real left difference turn. between not even another a bird, bird and a, a rodent. <laughs> no, but I just love the fact that like a hobbit. Just, it was a hobbit. You definitely saw a run. hobbit. <laughs> People would say, "If there are any kiwis out there, tell me what you think." Like I, I was, I, I was in the North Island, just outside of Wellington. Is it is it likely that I could have seen a, a kiwi bird in the wild? I mean. Have you seen a kiwi birds? Because there was people there who said their entire lives living in New Zealand, they've never seen a kiwi bird in the wild. But I could probably count the amount of times I've seen an echidna. Like I've seen, like I've never seen a wombat in the wild. I've never seen a. Well, I've never seen a wombat in the wild. I've seen a kangaroo in the wild. I've seen a. I've seen an echidna in the wild. What else? I've seen an emu in the platypus? wild, but I've never seen a wombat. So there you, there you go, the kiwis. No, never seen a platypus in the wild. Have you? Yep, I reckon I have. Bullshit. No, Liar. Get out. If some fucking Kiwi told me that's in a platypus in the wild, I'd say, no way. Absolutely not. I've never seen one in the wild, and neither of you. Oh, now I get it. The platypus um, is one of the only mammals in the world that lays eggs. The echidna, I believe, is the only other yeah. one. Right. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> I don't know. What do you got on platypuses? Apparently they they do Nothing. a lot of um uh, uh drugs like as in um 
pharmaceutical drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the water about? streams that the platypus swim in are full of antidepressants oh. and stuff. So apparently they have like a oh, half right. human dose of antidepressants a day or something, platypus. Hang on, why are they in... Is it just because the waterways, the freshwater waterways are near a runoff? I don't have a lot of further Wait, information. Yeah, I, I reckon that sounds like bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe you, just like night, the Kiwis didn't uh, believe me. I was informed that a, a lot of raspberry flavouring comes from beavers' anuses. Did you know that? That's also Yeah, I like know. It sounds like no, a I lie. I told the people who told me that, that that was definitely a lie, and then I looked it up, and it turns out it's not a lie. <laughs> yeah. Raspberry is from beaver Yeah, anus? raspberry flavour, uh, flavouring, like lollies and stuff, is often from beaver's anus glands. Why? Well, I... Why not get it but from also, raspberries? But also, like, how did they discover that? Like, how can you possibly discover that, like, beaver's anus gland tastes like raspberry? And secondly, how did that catch on? I mean, I could, I could imagine that at least one sicko licked a beaver's <laughs> bum. But the fact that he was able to convince anyone else to do it is <laughs> the real like, mystery. Hey, stop picking all those raspberries. This is heaps easier. <laughs> I forgot this. Um, they call it castorium. And... Um, uh, so castorium's expensive to harvest and collect. Well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine, right? Yeah. The beaver has to be knocked yeah, out I mean that... or killed. Oh, God. Oh. And then milk. Oh, Jesus. A process both time-consuming and labour-intensive. Wow. Just pick some raspberries, you sick fucks. Due to tricky labelling, you'd never suspect a thing. Foods that contain, contain castorium, raspberry-flavoured candy, strawberry-vanilla raspberry ice cream, it's also used in alcoholic beverages, baked goods, gelatin, pudding, soft candy, frozen dairy, hard candy, and chewing gum. Ew. Anus. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, let's go to the mailbag, Will. Yes, uh, while we're speaking Time about New Zealand, um, I don't have a, a chat about this, but I just oh, wanted yeah? to um, give a shout-out to a show called Wellington Paranormal. If people have not watched Wellington Paranormal, if you like this podcast... I just can imagine that you would love Wellington Paranormal. It is the funniest show on television. And that's a Taika Waititi show as yeah. well, right? So it's it's a spin-off of what what we do in the shadows and it's about this we sort do of in the shadows, which it's is this sort of X-Files, you know, awesome. like them exploring these yeah you know, cases around uh, Wellington that have, you know, paranormal leaks. But it it is laugh out loud hilariously funny. It's from Ronan. Hey Charlie and Will, I've been listening to Tofu for about 6 months. Also, sorry to say I broke the number one TOEFOP rule. Don't listen to the early ones. And now I'm episode 116. This means I should be fully up to date by the end, uh, by early 2021. Probably around the same time you get around to reading this out. Oh, okay. Well, new to TOEFOP, but understands all the tropes. <laughs> I recently got bored and played Seven Degrees of TOEFOP. Well, you must be listening to the new ones as well to know that one. My starting position was Batman, and the chain goes as follows. Batman... Playboy Lifestyle, Playboy Magazine, Australian Playboy, Australia, TV in Australia, and from here you can get to Tofop through Charlie very easily thanks to Home and Away and Blue Healers. But I spent a while looking for Gruen to then, uh, to then go through Will. However, to my surprise, Will's name is dropped in the broadcasting section. What does that mean? Hmm. Unity check, get onto Wikipedia. <laughs> wow, look at that. They're editing me out of... Uh, have, have I been cancelled? Did I get cancelled? You, you're being scrubbed. Oh, man. <laughs> You've been scrubbed from the internet. I haven't been checking Twitter and I've got cancelled. <laughs> While I was playing this game, I also looked at the TOEFOP Wikipedia and saw the episode count is only filled out to 126. So that's less than uh, half the episodes I've done. This got me thinking about how you could get as many people as possible to fill out the remaining spaces as it's too big of a task for one person. I thought it might be funny if all you listeners try to change the page all at once, <laughs> but I imagine Wikipedia would just revert it to the original. Yes, just like when we put our call out for the fax machine to the news agent, don't bombard Wikipedia with changes. They'll 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 red but flag. But if you have it. sourced articles, I think the best information op- that you could put there to Wikipedia, then that that's okay. Is there there'd be references to Tofop and and us, and you could update. Well, you, well, you can update the episodes and stuff. Link, that's sourced. Link to the episode. Yeah. yeah. I think the best option would be to give uh, the honour to a few listeners every week until you are caught up. Thanks, Ronan. What do you think about that? I like it. Should we let if people, people want uh, to do that, wanna... that'd be great. Go for it. This is from Connor. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Will. Just started listening to Tove Up a few months back. So that's two new listeners. Welcome. 
Welcome to the fold. Are you a doctor? <laughs> I first started with your most recent episodes and then have been working my way back. Yesterday, I was listening to episode 225, Dick Buckkiss, where you discussed a man with the name Dick Buckkiss. This got me curious and I did a little digging uh, doing this and I found a website that I thought maybe of interest to you guys to go through. It is linked here. Uh, well, we're not going to go there now. As well as the website, I was wondering if either of you guys have ever known anyone with a weird, funny name and if they have been the subject of numerous jokes. I realize I've been rambling for a while now, so I'll just finish by saying thanks for the hours of entertainment and laughs and keep up the good work. Funny names. I knew... Um, I mean, how do I say this without... I don't want to name... Well, I knew a girl whose surname was Cockshot. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter what you pair with that, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, her parents were big donors to the high school she went to, and so there was an academic award, which was the cock shot. <laughs> so every year, one girl would win a cock shot. <laughs> Can't wait. Who's going to get the cock shot? <laughs> I mean, I knew... I mean, I don't think anyone, you know, particularly outrageous. Like, there was a... I mean, in grade six, we were very amused that uh, we got in trouble because somebody had written Andy Buck, our friend Andy Buck. Uh, someone had carved into a table, Andy Buck had a fuck with Donald Duck, which, you know, at grade six level was pretty... <laughs> that's like... Genius. Yeah, you're a hero, whoever that was. Um, uh, we had an and student at high school who, of course, was a student if you uh, read out in abbreviations. Um, there was a... Gee, I don't think that, I think actually we had remarkably sort of unfunny names in general where I was growing up. Yeah, I mean all your you're all like Smiths and Browns and Andersons, right? It was all just very Anglo and very Well, the fact that none of them right? are coming to mind. Like I went to um school with a guy called uh, Randall Campbell, which isn't even that exciting, but that's the one, most exciting one that's coming into my mind. So the rest of them it's must pretty be pretty funny. Randy <laughs> Randy Campbell. <laughs> like but that's that's as good as I've got for this conversation. <laughs> Jack writes in, Hey, Tofop. Hey, Chill and Wally. I've been catching up with 50 or so episodes of the past few months after not being able to listen for a while. It's been good to catch up. Recently, I've been thinking about how life would be if I was someone else. So what would you both do if you were able to spend a week as the other person? People love this fucking Freaky Friday. We get this a lot, this question. Or maybe if one day every week um, you could swap and live uh, as the other person. All right. So it's Freaky Friday. Will and I swap bodies. Um, well, it depends. I think it, I think I could have some hijinks. Like knowing that I was going to have to give your body back at the end of the day, I could totally ruin your career. <laughs> like I could come out <laughs> with some like really – I could get you cancelled by the end of the day. I mean, I think like, it's interesting – that you've gone to immediately that your day in my body, you would use it to hurt me. Like I wasn't going to use your body to hurt you. I was just going to like go for a run well, and I'm swim just... and take advantage of my hips not hurting. Well, that's a you know? thing though. I figured that I'm in your body. My hips hurt. I'm not going to go anywhere. I might as well just cause and heavy. I'll just jump on Twitter and start throwing a few fireballs. I mean, I'm not sure that would destroy my career. That might reinvigorate my career in some circles. <laughs> Imagine that. You have to let me jump in your body once a week just so I can like say some outrageous shit. It'd be shit great if we couldn't say anything titles. about it. Like, so basically, we're living our lives like a Christian Bale's character in The Prestige. Like, you know, it'd just be like, yeah. sometimes you're just not here. Sometimes you seem like a completely different person. Yeah. And that's because I'm you and you are me. Oh, that's why he wrote Chill and Wiley. I'm just getting the... I'm getting that. Okay, great. Okay. So, makes sense now. Also, have you guys watched You on Netflix? I've just been season two and love the main character storylines and the twists. It's based on a book. And if you've ever watched it, I would love to hear a quick review and thoughts. Also, what's been the best and worst TV shows based on books? Keen to hear your thoughts. Fuck, man. I don't know. That's a lot of questions. No, I haven't seen You. Um, Game of Thrones. There you go. <laughs> that's my answer. Based on a book. Um, I have seen series two of you. I didn't watch series one, but Amy was watching series two and yeah. I just um, was doing some things and caught, got caught up in it and understood enough of it to... Um, it, yeah, it's not necessarily heavy hitting, but it's um, it's pretty 
fun, arresting, campy TV if you're fine with the fact that the main character in the show is a, is a stalker and a killer. Like a stalker <laughs> killer. Because you kind of, it's one of those shows where like, a bit like Dexter was in the early days where you're like, yeah, but I am on the side mm. of the killer mostly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want a recommendation for a show that I thought was really good but did not stick the landing, it's uh, on SBS. It's called Years and Years with uh, Emma Thompson. Did you see I that one? Say. Which is like, it's a show that charts a family over the course of like 15 years into the future. And it's sort of, it's sort of play. It's a, I guess it's like a, it's kind of like a black mirror science fiction kind of commentary on society projecting where we'll, if Donald Trump and Brexit and all this, if the world continues to swing to sort of like hard right fascism, <laughs> where society will go. It's really good. And it's really compelling, but the last episode just, you know, when you like stick with something and you're just like, oh no, you just didn't have an ending for this. No spoilers, but I just, I felt like the last episode did not stick the Well, landing. speaking of sticking landings, I want to give a big shout out to The Good Place, which I thought absolutely stuck the landing. I've really enjoyed that show and I have enjoyed the way that they've wound it up and I thought they did it in an incredibly satisfying way. So, uh that they they really did that that was a show that really needed to stick the landing because it was a concept show they needed some way out of it and i think they really justified and found their way out of it and it was really emotional too it was funny and emotional good show uh, let's finish on this email which is more of a business proposal um dear and then in inverted commas email tofop at gmail.com greetings of the day i am puja web development manager I found your detail on Google and I have looked at your website and realized you need website design development. I work with experienced IT professionals. We are perfect in website design, e-commerce design, graphic design, website development. Then you are interested in of those services. Contact us now. And that's highlighted in green. We will provide you with the best cost-effective solution, fast response and high quality commitment. I can send you a proposal? Question mark. Thanks, Pooja. So, I didn't hear anything after Pooja. It's hard to go past Pooja. <laughs> now, normally I would feel bad about making fun of... Oh, it turns out I do know a funny name, Pooja. <laughs> so, and I would feel bad making fun of that name because clearly it's a foreign name normally, but it's not a real person. It's a bot. It's a made-up name for the purposes of sending yeah. this email. So, I'm not actually mocking anybody. But uh, Pooja, why would you choose Pooja even? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a Terminator who's looking to integrate into society having completed his mission. <laughs> He's just like cold, cold calls people trying to sell web I design. I mean, that is actually a more likely storyline that a Terminator would end up in like sort of, you know, in, I, well, in bot marketing or something like that. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. Um, hey, I have another podcast that I do with Usher Ginsberg called Dad Pod. Uh, the last episode was James Clement, Mr. Sunday Movies himself. Very funny. Uh, that's out at the moment. And coming up this week, we've got an old friend of yours, Will, Lemo. Lemo comes on Dad Pod with some great advice for us. So check that out um, wherever you download your podcast. There's Dad Pod, D-A-D-P-O-D. Um, uh, Willosophy is um, uh, Ella Hooper will be out today. But if you haven't heard Corey Tut. Uh, we talked about some Indigenous things. He's an amazing young man who's started a thing called Deadly Science, which is about getting Indigenous kids interested in in science and, and getting books to Indigenous kids so that they can be interested in science. And he was he won New South Wales Young Australian of the Year. It was a really good episode. So if you have not checked that out, I would recommend that. And I'm on tour. If you want to come and see me when you hear this, if it, oh, well, if you hear this when it comes out, I'm in uh, Brunswick Heads in New South Wales. So if you're on the Gold Coast or... Lismore or anywhere one in that area come and see my show will inform there and then I'm off to Adelaide Fringe for two weeks from March the 3rd and then a month at the Melbourne Comedy Festival I'm doing Will Eagle for two weeks I am doing my improv show what you talking about Will for two weeks and then after that Brisbane and Perth and a whole bunch of other places are already on sale so check comedy.com.au uh, also, just a reminder, our bushfire appeal is still going, although maybe we should change it to a flood appeal. Uh, but it's if you guys want to donate that money, people desperately still need that money, so that will be a link in the episode description below. And if you want to support us, because, of course, without us, there is no show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. Uh, there's some brand new uh, artwork up by James Fosdyke and everyone, a couple of everyone relaxed strips. And this week, I know I said I was going to do it last week, but I've just been in another country um, we're going to be 
Uh, we decided to separate our Patreon mail from our regular mail because we're just getting too backlogged. So for all our Patreon subscribers, you're going to be getting bonus uh, weekly to bi-weekly letter episodes on the Patreon. So if you are curious and you want to support the show and you think you'd like a bit of extra content, and you'd like to write us a letter and maybe hear your letter read out, you can join Patreon, you can send us a letter and we will read it out and possibly give you a sticker sheet pack thing anyway. You know what I'm talking about, Will, don't I you? I know what you're I do. Hello, yeah, Will. Sorry, I'm, 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 I just got a message. <laughs> sorry, for people who don't see this at home, we're doing this via Skype and it's getting towards nighttime and Will is slowly, <laughs> I can barely make you out. You look like you're in witness in protection because the there are no I'm lights in on the in dark your office. And I just got a you're message totally saying, when are you done? So I think we should finish up. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.